I was 12 years old when my youngest brother was born. He was a surprise. I remember reading him children's books. And my favorite book I ever read to my brother was a book called Barnyard Friends. I really loved that book. And I have to confess to you, it was one of the first times I began to work on my sound effects. I always have loved sound effects, but I used to read him that book and he would love it. And I, I've kind of memorized part of Barnyard Friends. So, so here you go. So I would, I would read it in this voice for some reason. I would go, Barnyard Friends. I don't know why I use that voice, but I'm like 12 years old. And, 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 you know, from, I really read Barnyard Friends to Cliff from the time I was 12 to maybe 14. So Barnyard Friends. So the first picture would show a realistic picture of a pig and the, the baby pig eating pig slop. And, and, and here's what it said. Dinner time on the farm. And then I would go... He would laugh and laugh and laugh. And then the next page, it's kind of sick, I remember this, isn't it? <laughs> Showed a horse and a little, you know, colt by the horse. And the horse, I would use this, you know, as my. <laughs> isn't my baby cute? So I would just go through. I don't want to do all the animals, like <laughs> all sorts of things. But, well, I'm not sure an elephant was part of the, <laughs> I just threw that in. But I think you feel me. Barnyard Friends. It's a great book. I tried to find it on the World Wide Web, out of print, Barnyard Friends. I mean, the real Barnyard Friends. Jesus today is going to tell us about Barnyard Friends. Jesus in essence, opens up this book and he goes, okay, barnyard friends. Why would Jesus talk about barnyard friends? Do you have barnyard friends? I don't know. I think at the end of this talk, you'll go, okay, I either do or I don't. Barnyard friends. Why would Jesus talk about barnyard friends? Well, a couple of guys were arguing in the crowd. Thousands were in attendance to hear Jesus talking. Some of the guys were arguing about money, about inheritance issues. Brothers were going back and forth. I need this, or I want that, or dad wanted me to have that. They were arguing about just what the guy had left. And so they lob a question to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, hey, settle this issue, which was common back in the day, you know, when rabbis would speak, people would just throw questions at them, sort of like a, like a first century press conference, so to speak. So Jesus answers this question in a highly unusual way. Well, well, first of all, in verse 15 of Luke chapter 12, he brings up greed. He just talks about greed. So they, they throw this question at him, and then Jesus goes in verse 15, he said to them, the two guys, the two bros, take heed and beware of greed, for one's life does not consist of the stuff of the possessions that he owns. He talks about greed. Isn't it interesting just to talk about greed for a second? 
Greed was once called a vice, now it's a virtue. Now it's like, oh boy, you're greedy. Well anyway, Jesus throws that out and then he tells these two guys a story. And this story is fascinating because if you put yourself in the sandals of his crowd, you kind of go, wow, this sounds like a very positive, kind of a, a business vibe type story from Jesus. I mean, it sounds really cool about making a lot of money. And after all, we want to make a lot of money and the money is for me. And I can invest the money and have my money working for me have this giant portfolio. So that's what everyone's thinking. So, so, so as I read this for the first time, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking, wow, okay, greed. Maybe greed is good. And you're talking about greed here, Jesus. And, and, and maybe greed, maybe this desire to acquire is a, is a God thing. Well, let's, let's see what Jesus says. Look, look at verse 16, Luke chapter 12. And he told them this parable. Again, them being the two guys, right? The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. I'm like, well, that's good. Good for him. This guy's banking, man. I mean, he's rolling. He's a heavy hitter. He thought to himself, the guy that made all this money, what shall I do? I mean, that's an honest question. When I make money, when you make money, I mean, that's what I think. What shall I do? Sometimes if I make extra money, maybe an investment, maybe for me a book deal, maybe a consulting fee or whatever I'm doing, I go, what shall I do? Don't look at me funny, you're the same way. <laughs> you know, it's so funny, I can talk about three subjects like death, I can talk about money, and I can talk about sex. And two out of three of those are negative. But, <laughs> but every time I talk about death and money, you know, people get kind of funny, and that's okay. Just, just take, just, everybody take a deep breath. Yeah, we're just going to talk about stuff. I mean, I have to talk about it. Jesus talked about it. You know, most of his parables were about stuff. Stuff in the Bible is talked about more than prayer, more than heaven or hell. Stuff. So don't judge me. We love to say that, don't we? It's kind of funny. That's a whole nother subject. But I'm just telling you what Jesus said about stuff. So Sounds to me like this story's going pretty good, doesn't it? Make a lot of money. This guy made a lot of money. Maybe sometimes you have extra money. And it's like, whoa, cool. Well, it even gets better. This guy now says, you know, I have these barns. Barnyard friends. I have these barns, and I'm sure he had a lot of friends in the barns. And he said, you know, what shall I do? Verse 17, I have no place to store all of my excess. All of this Stuff. So he makes an arrogant decision, an arrogant decision. Say that with me, an arrogant decision. Have you ever made an arrogant decision? Well, I have. Yeah, I have made an arrogant decision before because I've had things happen to me before and I've said to myself, that's for me. I didn't even really think about God. I thought I did that. I made that. 
It's my stuff. Greed. Greed. I wrote a book about greed, the first of my 14 books. I'll quote you a definition from greed, chapter five, page 89. It's out of print now, but I wanna write it again. Greed is the desire to acquire, as I said earlier, but let me add something to it that's gone haywire. The desire to acquire that's gone haywire. It's okay to have a desire to acquire. What's wrong with that? The Bible is not anti-ownership. The Bible does not say that money is bad. Doesn't say that stuff is satanic. It's not in the Bible. Okay, isn't that good? Just nod your head like, yeah, that's good, that's good, that's good. So money's neutral. Now the love of money is what will mess you up and me up. It's materialism. It is the desire to acquire that's gone And it's easy, at least in my life, for for me to go haywire in this area. Because I like stuff. So do you. Isn't it interesting about stuff? Because people say, oh, money doesn't satisfy, man. Money doesn't satisfy. Money doesn't satisfy. Money doesn't satisfy. Well, it does. (laughs) Money, I'm here to tell you, money does satisfy if you're willing to only live on that level of satisfaction. But if you wanna go to a whole nother level, we're talking a level where money doesn't satisfy, where there's even more excitement, more adventure, more thrills and chills. Ed, what are you talking about? Well, I'm, I'm talking about this life of intensity, being intense. This, this rich farmer was not intense. He thought his stuff was his stuff, but we've been learning around here, number one, that God owns all the stuff. I mean, I'm just gonna tell you whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not. Doesn't matter. Your opinion, my opinion, it really doesn't matter. I have a strong opinion. I don't believe God owns all my stuff. Okay. You have your right to be wrong. (laughs) We'll see what you say when you die. We'll see what you say when you meet your maker. Wow. But 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 I'm just saying to you, God owns all the stuff. And the, the universal ownership of God is something. That sounds so simple, but it's so profound. Number two, God has given us all of our stuff. So he owns all the stuff, and he's given us everything. Second thing. And the third thing is, here we go. I love this one. I'm simply a manager. I I mean, that's what I am. Now, I'm not saying that in a trite or trivial way. It's a very important thing. We manage this stuff. I talked to a friend of mine just several minutes ago before I walked out. He's a young guy. He's grown up right here at Fellowship Church. He started a company from nothing. He's a multimillionaire now. Young kid. And we were just talking. I was laughing. I'm going like, what is up with you, man? 
Can you believe? It? I remember when you were that tall in the children's ministry singing those songs and everything. Now, I almost fell off. Now, you have all this. You and I told him, I said, you know who's giving you everything, don't you? I told him that. I know him that well. He goes, oh yeah, I know. He goes, because Ed, I'm not that smart. I said, I know you're not. I know I'm not either. So everything comes from God. And once you realize you're managing it, and he was talking to me about managing it, because, because this, this guy is so faithful to Fellowship Church, it's awesome. He goes, man, it's, it's a no-brainer. He was, like, he was like, the least I can do, Ed, is just return what is God's. And you, you, know, you know what sometimes gets me all messed up? And I've, and I've thought this way before. All right, okay, okay, so I'll make a certain amount and I'll give God his cut of the pie, his, his part of the deal. You know, that's your 10%, Lord, and just let me do it. Let me know. Let me, let me do. Maybe I'll give you 11 or 12%, but I'm going to do what I want to do with the rest of it. I mean, yeah, God wants me to enjoy the stuff, the fruits of our labor. I get it. It's in the Bible. But when I have that thought, that's wrong. I'm going down the, the life of the rich farmer. I'm, 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 I'm kind of going down that, down that gravel road of greed because I'm thinking it's, I mean, 89% is mine. No, it's not. It's all God's. Think about how that can be such a game changer in your life. And our poor, poor barnyard friend, he made an arrogant decision. It's mine. I did it. I made it. And then in verses 18 and 19, Jesus continues to lead the thousands of people down this road of, oh, this is a great story, Jesus. Finally, you're telling me a story that's not an industrial strength story. Finally, you're telling me a story that doesn't get up in my grill. I mean, you mentioned greed, but now you're saying it's good to acquire. So he said to himself, this is, the, this, is this farmer, and look at all the personal pronouns he used. Personal pronouns. I don't want to be graphic, but let me be graphic. Personal pronouns, PP. You talk to someone who PPs on every conversation, they have a greed problem. <laughs> now, I didn't say that to be gross. I said that for you to remember that. You talking to someone tomorrow at work? Oh, PP. <laughs> I, 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 me, 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 my, I, 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 me, me, me. My, my. That's what I have to watch for on social media. And that's what you have to watch for on social media. That's what I have to watch for in conversation. That's what you have to watch for in conversation. That's what I have to watch for with my stuff. That's what you have to watch for with your stuff. An arrogant decision. But my dear friend, notice the next one, an ignorant vision. An ignorant vision. He said, I'll do this. What are you gonna do, man? I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there, I'll store all my crops and my goods. Again, if I'm in the audience, I'm going, this guy's brilliant. I mean, he's, he's like tearing down stuff, building stuff. He's parlaying the wealth. I mean, aren't, aren't you feeling him? This guy's a nice guy, I'm sure. Smart guy, intelligent guy. I like this guy. Making money, I have more than I know what to do with. Must be nice. I have so much 
I'll build bigger barns and I'll have barnyard friends. Man, my horse sound needs some work. It's not that good. Horses kind of scare me. I used to have a horse back in the day. I've had some bad experiences with horses. Barnyard friends. Anyway, it's a whole nother message. Maybe I can use that sound effect when I talk about the white horse of Revelation or something. So he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all of my crops and my goods and my stuff. The storage unit business is a $38 billion business. $38 billion. So I go to school and learn how to get stuff, and then maybe college and I get stuff and invest stuff and insure stuff and get stuff for retirement and use stuff and then I die and give the stuff to the kids or maybe someone I don't even know and then while I'm living put the stuff in a storage unit and the stuff is just stuffed in this unit then we buy another unit rent another unit and and I might invest in storage units for more stuff and jibbledy junk and chowskis and stuff and I just have a lot of stuff I just want to acquire stuff I have this desire to acquire that's gone haywire. See, I can be greedy and you don't even know it. Like right now I'm thinking greedy thoughts. And you could be greedy right now and I don't even know it. It's a, it's a word greed that is close to the word lust. Lust after things I want that. And then it gets really scary when I don't just want that, but I want the exact thing that you have. And I'm greedy. I'm lustful over your money, your car, your real estate, your spouse. Greed. It's ugly. Greed. It's insidious. He's going to build bigger barns. I mean, Ed, why are you talking about that? Well, and I will say to my soul, this rich guy says, hey, soul, you've got many goods laid up for many years. Take it easy. Just partay all the time, partay all the time. That's my interpretation. So we made an arrogant decision. Don't do that. And it leads to an ignorant vision. Ed, don't do that either. Because he didn't realize it, he was setting himself up for an eternal, eternal collision. We're gonna live in eternity. We face it forever. On the other side of the dirt. And this is not talked about a lot because it's not really sexy to talk about, but we are going to face God and we're gonna give an account to how we used and leveraged our stuff in this life. What's the antithesis of greed? Generosity. I mean, I want to be generous while my hands are warm. 
I want to do my giving while I'm living so I'm knowing where it's going. Are you feeling me? I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Nah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying to you? I do. I really do. Now, I want to leave some stuff for the kids, you know, hopefully, but not a lot of stuff. Not a lot. I mean, this is, this house is my number one investment. It is. And I can't tell you how God's blessed my life, but I'm going to held, be held accountable one day for, Ed, what did you do with the stuff? I mean, stuff is relative. Some people have a lot of stuff, small amounts of stuff. I don't know. It's all relative. But this dude, I mean, Jesus flips the script here. I mean, this is scary. All of a sudden, boom. Look at this eternal collision. But God said to him, Jesus changed it on him. He got everybody kind of going. Yeah, making money. Yeah, tear down the barns. Yeah, oh yeah, must be nice. Yeah, I got a place now to store all my stuff in bigger barns. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be, deterred, will be demanded from you. Your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it'll be with whoever stores up things for themselves and is not, let's say it together, rich toward God. Let's say it again at all of our campuses, rich toward God. What does it mean to be rich toward God? It means our resources are invested in Christ's house. Let me say that again. That's true riches. My resources are invested in Christ's house. That's the only thing that'll last forever. The church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. The church is the body of Christ. Are you generous? See, I've got to get money out of my hands quickly. This is just me. It's like a hot potato. Remember that old school game, hot potato? Like, oh my gosh. Or if you grab something out of the oven, for example, a potato and it's hot. Get rid of it. That's the way money is to me. The first portion of my income, if I go, well, I'm just not sure about that. Let me take care of this and that and whatever. Then if I have some, all right, God, there's your slice. I've got to get it out quick. Because if I don't get it out quick, it'll wrap around my heart. I'll, I'll, I'll give greed. Uh, a toehold, and then greed will get a foothold, and then <laughs> chokehold. That's why God says, the first, seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus said. That's why the Bible says, bring our firsts to the house of God. That's why there's such high esteem about the first fruit, the first day of the week, the first amount of time in that morning. Because when we bring the first, God blesses the rest. And I don't know about you, but I really want to be blessable. <laughs> I do. And if I'm not involved in God's currency, blessings, they just are not going to happen. It'll be like a, a blessing blocker. And you're wondering why your life's not 
blessed. This, this dude, this barnyard friend, traded in his, I mean, basically he traded in the Bible for his bank book. He was all about the bank, man. But boom, he died. And man, it was a, it was a very, 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 very difficult situation. Look at verse 34. Jesus continued talking in, in, in Luke chapter 12 about stuff. He said, where your treasure is, where your stuff is, there your heart will be also. So in life, in life, we get to give. We get to give. So I get to give and I get to give. And then when I give, I'll get and then I get to give. John 3, 16, for God to love the world that he gave. Everything is about generosity. It's the heart of God. Now this guy was storing up stuff for his barnyard friends. Look what Look what Jesus said in verse 20 of Matthew 6. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So what's going to happen in your life and mine? How do we have this intense relationship? What can I learn from my barnyard friend? Well, Number one, we've got to make a selfless decision. What's a selfless decision? It's a God decision, a predetermined decision. God, here's what I'm going to do with my stuff. So I know the money I make this year, next year, so forth for the rest of my life, I know where it's going. Number two, when we do that, we will have a wise vision. The Bible is not a microscope. It's a telescope. And I'm telling you, we do what it says with our stuff and the, the wisdom and the vision that we'll have, it's gonna be awesome. And then we're all preparing for this beautiful eternal collision. Because those of us who have been blessed, and we've all been blessed, in fact, we're all rich. Just, just say that, I'm rich. One, two, three, I'm rich. I think some people in Norman, Oklahoma didn't say that. One, two, three, I am rich. Come on, Miami, I am rich. Now, some of you are like, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I mean, that's your opinion, you're not rich, and you have your right to be wrong. If you make more than $34,200 a year, you're rich. You're part of the one percenter crowd worldwide. You're rich. You're rich. Okay, I'm rich, you're rich, and rich is you know, basically relative. How do we get rich toward God? Well, I just told you some of the things that we can do. When we get in on this generosity, we're gonna be blessed bountifully. Don't block the blessings of God. You're made to be blessed. Number two, it'll stir the soul of others. You've seen it here with the next generation. You've seen it here for almost 30 years now. And also, it'll usher in unbridled excitement, man. 
I mean, I've never met a negative, generous person. I've never met that person. And that's what I love about this church. We have so many, so many, so many generous people. Generosity. It's from God. God owns it all. God has given you and me all the stuff. And now we have this opportunity to manage all of the stuff. Learn a lesson from the book that Jesus read to us about barnyard friends. And I'm telling you something, your life will be lived on a level that stuff can't even touch. Would you pray with me? Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this message. I thank you, God, for giving us everything. And Lord, in my life and in every life here, we struggle with materialism. We struggle with greed. And I thank you for breaking the grip of greed, for giving us the solution. As I'm praying right now, if you're here and you've never, ever, ever committed your life to Christ, you can make a decision right now to say, Jesus Christ, I receive you into my life. God, you're so generous. You sent Jesus to die and to rise again. And right now, I receive you into my life. I unclench my fist and open my life to you. Jesus has come into my life. And Christ will and is coming into your life. And now, he's gonna give you this generous spirit. And you'll find yourself agreeing with God when you have stuff. Father, we thank you for this time and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, at all of our campuses, thank you, we have some intense commitment cards and they're on the end rows here at our broadcast campus in Grapevine, in Miami, in Northport, Florida, in Frisco, Dallas, South Lake, Fort Worth, Alaso Ranch, our prison campuses, beautiful Norman, Oklahoma. We are in an intense capital campaign to do something that we haven't done very much. We've done it several times here at Fellowship, but there aren't a lot of times where you get an opportunity to touch eternity. And we are undertaking a $40 million capital campaign over the next three years. We don't have the 40 million. I repeat, talk to our accountants. We don't have the 40 million. You do. So all it takes is generosity. Oh, we've got the 40 million because we have this uh, gentleman we know really well, and he did a wealth analysis of, of all of us. There are these things you can do now. You can type in like 
my name, my address, your name, your address, and the net worth is, is pretty close to what you have and what I have. It's pretty scary. So we easily can do it. But what's God going to do? What are we doing in this capital campaign? Well, we're building the church. We're building the church. Our church is one of the largest churches in America. That's great. But we're not just gonna sit here and go, wow, we're, we have a big church and that's it. We're still going to aggressively push the ball downfield. Why? Derek said it earlier, because people matter to God. Because we all face an eternity. Jesus is the answer. Lisa and I sacrificed to provide for this building with a bunch of other people. This building costs millions and millions and millions of dollars. Just the technology. I don't even want to know how many millions. These facilities and all of our different locations, they didn't occur just, wow, there they are. Wow, there's a campus in Miami. There's another one in South Lake. Whoa, four words, I can't believe it. Man, on a hundred and some odd acres right here. No, those of us who understood God's financial principles generously brought stuff to the house of God. We resourced and invested in Christ's house, and that spells rich. And I can't tell you how God's blessed my life. He's blessed me in ways that money doesn't touch, but He has blessed me financially. I mean, I've written, wow, who knows how many books, and owned several companies, and invested in real estate. I've done great, I really have. People say, well, man, you're a pastor. I go, no, 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 I mean, I am, but put a comma, don't put a period after pastor. I do, I do other things. And Lisa and I, we're gonna give a six-figure gift over and above our regular giving for three years. Now, for us, that's, that's a lot of money. For some of you, it's not. I know it's not. I know it's not. Some of you need to, to do a seven-figure gift. You've just been throwing pocket chains at God and you need to give a seven-figure gift. I, I don't know who you are, but I know you need to do it. And that won't even affect really your living. I mean, is it really gonna, when I say sacrifice, I'm saying we're taking something that we value, stuff, right? And we're putting it on something we value even more. So people who are generous are people who are joyful. You know, speaking of generosity, did you hear about this little kid? He swallowed a nickel and it freaked his mom out. This kid was only like two years old. She started, you know, kind of beating him on the back. Cough it up, cough it up. And he coughed up two dimes. So she screamed for her husband, honey, come in here, Junior swallowed a nickel and I hit him on the back and then he coughed up two dimes. And the father goes, feed him more nickels, feed him more nickels. Well, it's kind of a funny story, isn't it? God has given us the opportunity to generate resources. Some of you, he's given you amazing gifts to make money. Just like my friend I talked to earlier, 
I mean, the guy has a gift of making money. I don't know how, he just does. So God blesses his church so we can bless others. And some have big piles of stuff and you can do by transferring money or giving stock or writing a check what others of us couldn't do. And who knows, maybe the most intense gift, the greatest gift will be someone giving $100 over three years. I have no idea. So it's not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. But think about what we're doing as a church. We're taking every one of our 10 concrete locations, I'm not talking about the prison campuses right now, and we're updating them to look sort of the same. Now, what I mean by updating is I mean a serious retrofit. For example, in our Fort Worth campus, we have a warehouse next to our campus that's just full of stuff, props and things that we've collected over 30 years. We're taking that and making that into a state-of-the-art worship center in downtown Fort Worth, and we're taking our worship center that we have in Fort Worth now and turning it into incredible children's facilities. That costs $3 million, just that. Okay, our Norman, Oklahoma campus, you've heard about that? Have you heard about Norman, Oklahoma? People clap. I remember when we, when we received a Norman, Oklahoma campus, yeah! Do you know what a financial risk that was? I'll tell you. I just wanna kinda of tell you a little bit about just, just what our financial office tells me. The Norman, Oklahoma church owed $9.5 million. Their offerings need to be at least 30,000 a Sunday just to stay afloat. Do you know what the offerings are? 6,000. Who do you think pays for that? Yeah, it's part of Fellowship Church. Man, it gets quiet. And you think this just happened. We don't have some, I hate to rain on your parade, we don't have some rich church. You know, if Jeff Bezos is here today, I'd love to talk to him, but we don't have a rich church. It's just people like you and people like me. We've, we've gone out on faith, stepped out on faith, and we bought this building in Frisco, 22 million. We don't have $22 million. On 17 acres off of the tollway. It's where the future's happening. Again, we could just sit here and live off the interest, but I don't, I don't, see, I don't see anything stagnant in Scripture. The only body of water that's stagnant in Israel is the Dead Sea, and they call it the Dead Sea for a reason, because it's dead. Nothing flows out of it. I want to be the Jordan River, a river that flows. So... I want you just to familiarize yourself with this intense brochure. And we've given you weekly, monthly, annually, three-year total. And for Lisa and I, you know, this six-figure gift for us is gonna be the biggest thing we've ever done in the history of our giving. But uh, Lisa and I have, uh, I say given, but you know what I'm talking about, given much more than 10% for 30 years. And I just can't tell you again how God's blessed us. Cannot cannot tell you. And here's some homework too. You know what you do this week? This is not about this. I want you to give away something that you like. Don't give away crap. And don't give the church crap. Okay, let me just 
talk about this. I've grown up as a pastor's kid, and people give the church crap. Mercedes-Benz, 320,000 miles on it. Some broken down lake house is worth about, you know, $15,000. Some, some, some sofa, with all these stains and holes in it. Keep your crap, okay? This is God's house. Are you kidding me? It should be done with excellence, not opulence, but excellence. So what I'm talking about is more important than any investment, anything that you could even wrap your brain around. I'm talking about God's church. So we're taking our campuses, retrofitting them. We're uh, updating some of the technology. Some of the stuff we have in this building is 20 years old. And our building team does a phenomenal job at keeping this thing going. We have like some, we have some HVAC situations that are a quarter of a million dollars. I mean, I think people come in here like, wow, this is awesome, man. Uh, man, I wish they would do this or that. And, you know, so, so it takes us all. And every day, Mark 10:27 at 10:27 a.m. I've been praying this prayer and hopefully you have this this prayer out of 1 Chronicles 29 when David uh, brought the largest offering in history. David did. So, I thought one of the ways we could um, just pray about intents and pray about our stuff is to actually pray this prayer together. So, on the count of three, where you're seated here and in all of our locations, I want you to take this, take this card in your hand and just uh, simply pray this prayer with me. Now that means you'll have to have your eyes open. You can pray with your eyes open. You don't have to have your eyes closed. Just like you can be greedy or you can pray too, all right? So let's pray this prayer together as a church. And I'm talking about it all of our campuses on the count of one, two, Three, let's go. Heavenly Father, who am I that we should presume to be giving something to you? Everything comes from you. All we're doing is giving back what you've been given from your gracious hand. God, all these materials, these piles of stuff for building a house of worship for you honoring your holy name. It all came from you. It was all yours in the first place. I know, dear God, that you care nothing for the surface. You want us, our true selves. And so I have given from the heart, honestly and happily. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Okay, right now. We're going to receive our offering. I'm going to ask our hosts and hostesses to come forward. Let's give these hosts and hostesses at all of our campuses a massive, massive round of applause. I'm so, so thrilled about these, uh, about these commitment cards. Okay, we're going to bring these to the church on the 27th, the 27th of January. So you pray about what God wants you to do. And I don't know this between you and God, but I know what I'm going to do. And I've talked to others who have shared with me what they're going to do. Our staff, our team, many of our leaders 
They understand that intent is everybody, everywhere, engaging in eternity. Everybody, everywhere, engaging in eternity. Because God has some awesome, amazing, ridiculous things in store for Fellowship Church. And he has to do a work in my life and in your life as we prepare to do this. But as I look back in the history of my walk with God, some of the most significant times and moments have come when God has dealt with stuff in my life. Stuff. So whenever you see stuff mentioned in the Bible, I guarantee it in the same zip code, you've got trust and faith almost every time. Isn't that interesting? So, God owns all the stuff. He's given us all the stuff. We manage all the stuff. So let's learn from our barnyard friend. See you guys next week. God bless.